Hello, everyone. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, episode 37. I'm Jamie Berger, and to conclude our first anniversary month, here is my second check-in with resident psychiatrist Dr. Lois Parkinson. We spoke of various episodes and my motivation for making this show. If you don't want to hear a half hour of me in podcast therapy, then maybe skip ahead to next week, which will be David Sedaris. Lois and I talked for, I think, about an hour and 20 minutes, and I've edited it down to about a half an hour, uh, resisting the urge to edit it down to zero minutes and zero seconds. Uh, If you ever want to experience horrible audio editing pain, try editing your own (laughs) therapy session. We spoke on the phone a couple weeks ago. Hi. Hi. Welcome to your podcast. Thank you. And let me let me start by saying that you are you're actually our official psychiatrist, and I called you our official psychotherapist in the last episode. Whatever. Official shrink works too. I I just think it's uh, cute that I'm the official shrink yes. <laughs> resident. I think resident. Oh, you like Dr. resident? Drew. We can work out your title whenever you know, in whatever way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so congratulations, Jamie. Thank you. A year. That's that's an accomplishment. It is. I I think it is very much <laughs> for me for me in life to to stick to something steadily and thoroughly as I can for a year is a good start. I've I've started a lot of different things. It, what I was going to say is that uh Lois and I didn't plan out this call except I told her some episodes to to maybe check out if she would. And then I expected her to start asking me questions. But now I'm thinking about my experience with therapists, which usually involves them sitting there until I start talking. <laughs> but I, I think this time you're prepared to take a different role, I hope. I am. I have a lot of questions for you, Jamie. But I I imagine, I think you have things you want to talk about. I mean, I'm you're working something out with this podcast and you you're going to talk with us about what you're working out today. And I'm very curious to hear about it, whether you know it or not, that's what you're going to talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would be curious just to hear some of your f- reflections on the year to get started. And I can jump in with my particular questions here and there. They may not be the things that you're thinking of though. So um, I'll let you be in the driver's seat to start. Oh dear. Highs and lows might be a good place to start. Highs and lows. Okay. The highs are are pretty much there are so many different types. There are there are talking with old friends about fame. There are people who I felt thrilled to that they were interested. There was 
actually having a, a what I thought was a really great conversation with George Saunders, which was, I still say the old don't meet your heroes just, just doesn't make sense to me. Unless your expectations are completely unrealistic. Uh, so that's been great. Um, yeah, well, George Saunders, that episode, I listened to it almost twice. I think I might listen to it again and again, but um, he's quite a hero to have. So maybe other heroes would be disappointing. It's true. He didn't disappoint. Um, but so, so there are a lot of highs. Talking to finishing the edit of any episode and being like, hey, that's really okay, has been a big high over and over again. Um, learning about, as I've said throughout the year, I do all of these things, as you know, uh, any, any creative endeavor I've ever done has been a form of self-therapy, even if I'm pretending it's not. And I think in terms of my own issues around the topic, I am feeling a certain transition and transformation. And in the last episode, when I wrote about deciding to be just the regular person waiting on the line after the reading to ask at the Q&A a question, ah. uh, and that being just fine, <clears throat> I'm going to stay a fan. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a different feeling from a kind of a chip on yes. one's shoulder, my shoulder. I, I tried to make it one and not me. Um, kind of feeling that I think I've had much more in my life at other times. Uh, low points have been a couple people blowing me off. Uh, and that's, that's the only thing that comes to mind right now. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about you being in line for George Saunders, and it was interesting to hear you talk about that experience and that decision and... Um, but the thing was, is that when you got in line, you, you weren't just a fan. He knew who you were and that must have had a feeling to it. That did. It, it did because I didn't have any reason to think, I, I didn't think he would know who I was because we, we spoke on the phone, but he must have either looked at the, the podcast or, or something. Uh, so that, that was fun. Yes. That was, that was, as I think I said, it was a bit of a tickle, uh, but the question is, why is that recognition so important to so many of us? Yeah, that's a big question. I, do you have an answer for that? Because I don't. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's just, you know, being recognized by someone you respect a great deal is, is, uh, is a good feeling. I mean, that's the best version of it. That's the, the least, like... It's affirming. It's validating. You know, I think it, there's, so, you know, in listening to these podcasts, like, I, I feel like I'm listening underneath for um, you and and what's motivating it. And I hear different uh, comments from you about sort of your own feelings about fame. Um, but but it sounds like you're really grappling with this, like it's a dirty little secret if we acknowledge that we would like attention or that it feels good. And that's making it hard for you to get people to be on the show, but I think also listen to the show. 
Yes. It's like, oh, no, I wouldn't want that. We shouldn't want that. I don't know. Ah, right. And I wouldn't want to listen to that. And yet, I think you find in almost every episode, it's just a jumping off point. And it's certainly not a grilling of people. But, you know, uh, but that's interesting that some people who might enjoy it wouldn't tune in. Because this is something I don't like to think about even existing. Yeah, oh, you hadn't considered that yet? Because I know that you had been kind of frustrated with getting people to come on the show. Like, they won't acknowledge that they're famous or that they would maybe have an interest in being famous or, you know. Yeah. I, I guess something about the way you articulated it felt slightly different just okay. now. All I right. didn't think about it. Uh, some of the people who are who are just striving to be recognized in their fields are the ones who are most self-conscious about it. Um, the recent episode with Matt and Kate Lorenz was great because they, they're both young-ish musicians, but they were both like happy to talk about it and their family history about fame and about their own, you know, touring and stuff. Um, but I think a lot of the people who are more established and of note have other reasons that they Yes, they also pretend it doesn't exist in some ways, or they want to. Uh, you see it on late night TV. You know, you see it with in, on people on Colbert. Just I'm just a regular, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jane. But but you're not. Yeah, and and you're and you're kind of stuck with that, for better and worse. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess some people manage to disappear if they're not George Clooney. But if you're George Clooney, you're 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 stuck with it, um, which isn't the worst curse, I suppose. What I've learned in the, in the course of the year is that there are people that I'd really love to speak to, but if they'd be doing it as a favor or a chore, and you can just tell in the response. There are a couple of people who said, uh, yeah, sure, and I, didn't, I haven't gotten back to them, and I'm sure they aren't upset about that. Um, but it's people who'd be like, yeah, that's interesting and weird that are going to make the show interesting and weird. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Do you think that's, I'm, I guess I'm wondering if maybe that has to do with your level of discomfort with pursuit. Maybe the people who say, yeah, sure, need to be pursued and maybe they would have more to say, but what's keeping them from being like, yes, please get me on is the um, mm -hmm. distastefulness of acknowledging mm -hmm. an interest in attention. Just, you know, just <laughs> but, a thought for yeah. you. <laughs> it, it's a good thought, but it's also why I need to, this to be, you know, one of the other main frustrations is that a year in, you know, I feel like it's it's going well and people like it, but I don't, I need uh, a larger, uh, I feel like I need an organization, I would need someone else making that call to be the one pushing it. Yeah. Uh, why? And the one, because... A booking agent knows how to do that and whether it's too far or whether it's worth it. And it's also less, it's an ego. Uh, I'm already putting myself in a position of vulnerability by asking people, yeah. especially people I don't know. Yeah. And the things I haven't liked are, I, I like to be able to talk to people directly or not at all. 
And the one exception to that is I have written to and gotten a, a yes from, but still no schedule. This is the first time I'm mentioning this on the show, I believe, that David Sedaris is supposed to come on. And I went to his reading a few weeks ago, and even in the in the in the signing line, you know, I got my book signed and said hi, and I'm the guy who's doing this thing. He's like, oh, I, yeah, I saw that on my. It got canceled once. Uh, we were supposed to do it, and then, yeah. but the the point is that he was like, it that that sounds really great, and he kept me to, you know, in front of him where I was trying to rush off because people were waiting to ask more about it, and I think he would have fun, especially because he's someone who seems very conscious and would be wonderfully uh analytical of and oh, yeah. funny about fame oh yeah he'll go deep and think with you yeah. um all right so this is kind of the edge that you're on is this the ego and like how how it can hold you back if you don't want to push yourself more out there but i think this is exactly what people don't like about the topic of fame is that there has to be, if you want to be seen, a bit of a pushing yourself on other people. And there is discomfort with that. Like, how do you know when you have gone too far? Mm-hmm. I think um, George Saunders talked about it a little bit. I actually like wrote down the quote from it of this. He said that there's like this moment, because his career took off late, right? And mm-hmm. maybe it's not them, maybe it's me. Um then he goes on, that's all good artistic juice and, you know, kind of uh, help you with wringing the bullshit out of yourself. He uses such great words. But I think you're right on that that edge of, like, how, you know, asking that question. Otherwise, I think people get shut down and start to retreat at this point. Yes, it's true. I, I feel like I've been very lucky with the people I've actually talked to. That Most of them open up pretty well about it. Some of them, yeah. to the extent that you were really annoyed with them. <laughs> That's true. Perhaps one. I was uncomfortable. But we'll get to him. I'm guessing. Maybe. I, I don't think you, you. I don't think you can offend Neil Pollock. So you should ask what you want to ask later. Okay. Uh, I think he'll be fine. Well, you you already said his name. I don't really have anything to ask about that that one. That one just uh, he had a lot of bitterness and we had a little you know text exchange about that um but then you pointed out your wife felt like he was quite honest and with that different lens i was like okay yeah this is this is honest and it's a different perspective and it's worth hearing it just was uncomfortable but that's not bad. It's good to be uncomfortable. It, it is good to be uncomfortable. And I want the show to be a little more challenging. And you're right. I need to be a little more challenging if I want that to happen. But he really stepped up and was very frank. When I got done recording it, I thought it was lousy. And then I edited it. And then I thought it was pretty good. But he's a pretty abrasive guy. But his stock in trade is his abrasiveness. And he... I thought people wouldn't like him and people are pretty much split down the middle. And it's not my job to have people be likable or not, but I thought they wouldn't like him to the extent that they would not want to listen to him anymore. And no one felt that way. And some people thought, Oh, what a, you know, isn't he, you know, he talks about, I feel like that was the end of my fame period. He says at one point, which is like very honest. He's saying I was famous. I, I had a, I had a moment and he's like, what I'd like to talk to Neil about again, though, that I that I feel like getting to what you were saying is that 
I feel like he definitely wants it back and that he hasn't really gotten done with it. Hmm. Well, and maybe that's part of what was uncomfortable for me about it, because as much as I'm listening to your podcast, I do feel uncomfortable with this topic of fame, which I think you do too. You know, I there was a, an episode where you admitted that you were um, taught in childhood not to want fame, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about that? <laughs> I love when you say things like that. Can you say more about that? <laughs> It makes me feel like I, I need a couch here. My parents, both professors, in a sense, both performers, both with audiences, that they wanted to love them uh, in a good way. Neither one of them are e egomaniacs that I would, you know, in any way that I would say. Uh, and while we, you know, if I, I can think of celebrities that we all loved in my family. Paul Newman, Muhammad Ali, I don't know. Um, lots of people. But one wasn't supposed to grow up and want to be them. How was that information, like, or how was that match transmitted to you? Was that overt or was that... No, definitely not overt. But... Something about them having chosen, you know, to be civil servants of a sort instead of entertainers. Yeah, it was just something other people did. I, I think. I think it was without them them intending to, or even. I don't think they would have. I think they disagree with me if I said it. But it was. It was uh, something that you that you might respect in others, but you kind of look down on at the same time. Or that ambition, wanting to be, wanting to that kind of attention. Well, it's what they modeled then. They didn't leave their jobs for their performance. My father, in fact, didn't publish much after he, he, he was lived in an era when he got tenure before one had to publish constantly and keep publishing. And I think part of it was his disdain for people wanting attention. I th there are times when, Pop, you can correct me on this when you hear this, that he said that he, one of the reasons he didn't publish this is he would only think of doing it when he thought he had something to say that no one else had said at all. Otherwise, it's just this ego gratification. Oh. When he didn't need to publish. Uh-huh. Yeah. Otherwise, why, why, you know, why publish just to see your name on, the, on a thing in a journal and speak at a conference? That's powerful. Hmm. Well, I feel like that's also, you know, not just your parents, but a lot of us get that message. And then your parents modeled for you the choosing this more practical, but it sounds like also serving, like career serving others that mm -hmm. ha has more, we have more respect for that, on, at least on the conscious level. It's, it's an interesting society we're in, right? Like where what we would say is valuable and then what we, where we give our attention are two different things. And who we vote for. Yes. I mean, without which, being snide or comedic about it, we, we voted for someone who has made it very plain he does not want to serve others. Yeah. And he said he said about all the ways that he's, you know, snuck around tax laws and been bankrupt. He's like, well, change the rules. I'm about me succeeding. If, you, if the yeah. rules aren't fair, I'm not going to just be fair. 
Well, you know, by the way, so I have really appreciated your commenting on Trump. You know, when you started this podcast, it's it's about fame, but like it wasn't political, but then it became political because of what happened. Um, and so I appreciate your commenting on it, but I've also noticed that you keep um, trying to rein yourself in from it. And I'm curious why. Did you get some feedback about that? Or are you afraid of alienating audience members or what? what is what's going on with it? No, I'm afraid that we're all just so I, I'm trying to give people a break <laughs> from it. You know, I'm I'm you know, I'm listening the rest of my time I'm listening to on the media or as it happens or NPR. Um, but I also I, I'm self conscious about my own ranting. If it, the one episode was right after the election when I felt I really had to say something and other people who make radio who are more comfortable with it would have just got on and spoken by themselves. And I tried for like a week and I had no luck. So I contacted a friend, Andrew Leland, who does a podcast. So I knew he could do it. And he pretty much interviewed me and I went off and talked about the importance of, I, I mean, it is my little obsession right now, but I do feel that fame played such a huge role in his election. Absolutely. I, I don't, I don't know anybody who could disagree yeah. with that. Even almost infamy. He he wasn't even a hero on his show, but people knew him, or they thought they did. They know, you know. As it turns out, he's not that much different from the guy on the show. Yeah, <laughs> that was a mutual sigh, audience. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy to do more and more political stuff. If there are people who want to come on and talk about it, I just am self conscious about starting to, you know. I'm I'm here for my therapy, but I'm not purely here for my therapy, and I don't want to rant out at the world constantly. Yeah. Well, I also thank you for doing that one. That was one of the um, that podcast actually was helpful to me. That was a really hard time, and it was nice to hear other people talking about it and you know feeling uh, with me about it, mm. which also leads me to um, thinking about another comment you made about you becoming more comfortable with being, um, oh, I'm not sure how you put it, but basically like a friend to people, someone that they listen to. Um, I think you were talking with Hardy White about this and that that was something you were coming to accept. Yes, he talked about accepting that. Um, Nora Murphy talked about her yes. farming and gardening and, and, and listening to Mark Marin and right. how he kept her company for a few years. Yes. And, and then you've, so you've been thinking, I mean, that may be, if you keep doing this, as you're doing this, mm -hmm. gaining listeners, that could be a role you play, which did you, did you think about that before you started this? Or I mean, I, What's in, what's interesting, Doc, <laughs> is yeah. no, I absolutely blocked out any idea of being that person. And yet I've, throughout my life, listened to people talking on the radio and even ones I really am annoyed by, but they're my, they're my company and somebody else wouldn't be that company. And I think part of why I blocked it out at the beginning, why listening to Hardy and to Nora and the other day listening to Marin, who I, I, I only listen to when it's somebody I like on the show as the guest because I don't want him to be my buddy. He 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 just reminds me of too many things I don't like about myself. Um but the point is that I understand now that people are like, "Oh, Mark's going to talk to me once once a week or more." But it's a matter of 
the deep seated, I am not worthy to be mm-hmm. that person and starting to accept that, well, if someone keeps listening, then it doesn't matter if I'm worthy. I'm just going to keep doing this. And I think about them as people I'd like to be friends with, which I've learned from Hardy. You know, I, it's interesting. I, I, okay, so following that thread of the dread of people um, adoring or, you know, loving something about you that isn't you mm. is scary to you. Um, and I'm not sure how I'm going to make that connection back to thinking about the the audience members on the other side and becoming mm. their friends. But um, I, I do have a thought on that. I'm not sure if this is a question so much, but the thought is like, First of all, how do you know that the thing that they're adoring about you isn't really you? Maybe it's just a part of you that you don't know about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's something there about wanting to control other people's perceptions, too, right? And maybe that's something you could more speak to. Well, first off, I want to say that, that, that my fear is, is, is so far strictly speculative, I have. I do not. I have not received any fan mail. Uh, I have. I have. I know some people listen. I. I know. So I, I. It's not like I'm firsthand. But in my life, oh, it's hard to explain. There are things that you're associated with. That yes, they are part of you. I am part owner of this bar and restaurant. I am a person who wrote this thing. Someone might have read. I am. That, yeah, it's hard to take, once they're uh, outside, these are things that are outside of you, I guess, that, that, that I feel weird being, mm, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say there. The assumptions mm. that people are going to make about you. It's one of the things that I think of as a pitfall of someone who becomes very famous or at least famous enough, that, that strangers are going to approach them. I see people approach when I'm out with a couple of different friends of mine who are, who are their faces are famous to people. They, they, proje- they, they show up in front of them and have this, them and have this adoration that would be hard to become comfortable with and, and I've seen people do pretty well at it. I suppose you just learn to accept it. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm the guy who on the first date would explain everything horrible about himself. <laughs> and I was that guy. Like, you better know it all or else you just, you shouldn't even get near me until you know the worst. Which is mm. so dumb. It, it, life mm. has worked out okay. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. But I suppose if you're extremely famous, someone might also know only the worst of you. That's what's going right. to spread the most virally. Yeah. Well, they know something, whether or not it's accurate or not. But mm-hmm. it sounds like you already have an awareness that whatever they were, they would be adoring about you or about this famous person is in their own mind. But that that still sounds like it feels like pressure or... Uh, intimidating somehow Mm -hmm. which um george saunders was talking about that he 
I, I think he might be um, sort of a saint. I'm not like I'm really, <laughs> yeah. I'm really in love with this guy. I didn't. Yeah. I haven't even read any of his stuff yet, but I will be. Um, so thank you for introducing me to him. But his his talking about uh, the expectations that people have of him and how he, you know, he puts out his best self in his work. So of course they're going to think he's a better person than he is. Mm -hmm. Sounds like that's how he's sort of made peace with this. And, Mm -hmm. um, he just kind of knows that accepts it. Yeah. Prepares for their disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. And you notice in our little, in the Q and a, he made, I think two jokes about how sexy he is, (laughs) which I, you know, is, is this kind of, it it's it's false false humility it it it, it is humility but he's pretending he's um well it's protective everybody has to be protective like we can't think too much of ourselves god forbid even if you actually will admit that you're famous you still can't admit that you think too much of yourself okay i'm going to take us in a different direction jamie go um okay so why are you making this and and i have a follow up question to that which is going to be how has that motivation changed over the year I, I I've always loved people talking on the radio I, I've always wanted to do something like that and I came up with this idea I kick myself all the time because the, one of the most frustrating things is I, I want a bigger entity to be representing this podcast I want a, you know a, a network or a radio station, or a something to take this on, or Audible, or any of the number of places that a podcast. And now, it's so much harder than it was four years ago. And now it's mostly you, you are established in something else. You know, a podcast is what somebody does, a comedian, a, an actor, a musician, as an extra thing. Whereas I just want to do this. And it would be very hard to find an agent or someone to try to sell this because there isn't much money to be made. But I, what I want is people to hear it, is my point. Uh, and over the course of the year, so so the answer is that for years I've been thinking about fame and for more years I've been thinking about radio and I finally, through the help of, you know, just kicking myself in the butt and taking a, a workshop with Jessica Abel right in the months uh, leading up to the first episode, got it started. What I'm trying to change as I come up on a year and I'm going to send out emails to a bunch of people who, rep, you know, who are involved with the podcasting world and I don't expect to hear much back and moving onward and just doing this because I enjoy doing it anyway. Part of what's very frustrating about podcasts is statistics are very hard to come by. And at first I tried to get them and because you, you, you're being listened to on so many different platforms, it's very hard to know. And so I've stopped both because I can't get good answers and because it becomes a, a a ridiculous fame game if I'm going to start being obsessed about the numbers. Uh, if there comes a point when I think it's just personal friends and family listening, I might stop doing this, but I don't think that's the case. Um, so the so over the course of the year, I'm trying to temper 
any fantasies or expectations of it uh, being a being a bigger thing than it is so far. Uh, I really, yeah. That's keep. Do you have more you want to say? Yeah, I no. I, you can tell me how those answered your questions or not, if you want. Oh well, I really like that answer. It feels really honest, so I appreciate that. It sounds to me like, and it sounds to me like you're being honest with yourself, and you're really, um, you're trying to feel this out of like, why am I doing this? And and it must be hard when you're also dealing with wanting to be heard, th- thinking about wanting to be heard. Um, it's got to be kind of hard to just stay with that question of why am I doing this? And which I think also is the uh, question of, is it satisfying? Mm-hmm. Sounds like sometimes it is. Actually, the making of them and is always satisfying, but I'm, I'm not someone who, I didn't do live journal. Let's put it that way. I wasn't part of live journal, even though I was a writer and I kept a journal I felt like writing for the public was, was something I wanted to put out for the public and writing for myself was for myself. And I don't want to put my diary and diarrhea of mouth <laughs> out in the air <laughs> if people aren't uh, wanting to hear it or, or, if, or if they're indulging me or if they're be like, good for you, keep up your little show. But, mm, but nobody yeah. listens to it. So that that's that's the... Well, it sounds like you feel like nobody listens to it sometimes, and then you get other evidence at other times. Mm-hmm. And that all factors into mm-hmm. how you feel about doing it. But I guess what I'm hearing is that at the core of it, you just enjoy making this. I do. Having these conversations. There is nothing wrong with not being famous or recognized. <laughs> and it's okay. It is okay just to like have creative endeavors for oneself. Oh, this makes me think of Neil Pollock's, uh, what was his little um, column of the, mo- the most famous writer in the world? Yes, which he still does uh, over on Salon. Yes. When, you can just start there. You can start with that. And then that is what we're all afraid of being if we put ourselves in the public eye. <laughs> yes. After being a journalist, when he started writing satirical creative stuff on, on McSweeney's, which was fancy at the, you know, at the time, he went right to I am the the, the greatest living American author, I believe, <laughs> a greatest living American writer, and that's one way to battle the fear of of asking there for attention. Go. Yeah, and it's funny the Andrew Leland episode after the election. Mm-hmm. It isn't the most dynamic or exciting one, but it's the most important one to me in that five people have said that helped me that week. Uh, mm-hmm. And that meant a lot. That would be like if, yeah. if five people a week would say your show made me feel better that mm. hour a week, then I would be like, okay, I'll do this uh, for a long, long time. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And not saying you don't have to start sending your cards and letters, but if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hmm. Did we cover it all? We covered a lot. I think we covered ab- about as much as I can handle. Okay. okay. Without yeah, that, that battling the, 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 the self-consciousness. Okay. Well, this was fun, Jamie. I really appreciate it. And you went so far above and beyond creating and doing uh, homework. Thanks. You're welcome. 
it goes without saying, but perhaps not for legal and professional reasons, that uh, this should not be construed as an actual therapy session, as Dr. Parkinson did express her own personal views and personal stories. Uh, just remembered back from episode six, when last we spoke 10 months ago, she asked me to put that disclaimer in there. If you'd like to read some of Lois's writings, check out thisfeministpsychiatrist.com. It's been on hiatus for a while, but there are some really fascinating older posts, and I hope she will return to it soon and continue her, her quest for a little piece of acclaim, at least, which she well deserves. Thanks one last time, Lo. Next week, David Sedaris. Everything you want to know about the show at 15minutesjamieberger.com, 15-M-I-N-U-T-E-S-J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. This is 15 Minutes. Ed Patnode makes it sound good. I'm... Jamie Berger. 